Welcome to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. In this podcast series, we get to know the experts working in the field of automated mobility. What drives them and how do they think their work contributes to a better mobility system? I am your host, Henriette Cornet, and I am the coordinator of SHOW, a European project testing automated vehicles in real life. SHOW is led by UITP, the International Association of Public Transport. Together with 70 other partners, we investigate a future where mobility is shared, connected and automated. In today's episode, Ingrid Skogsmo from VTI. Hi, Ingrid. Hello. Nice to, <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Henriette. Great to be here. I'd like to introduce you to the audience. Um, you are Ingrid Skogsmo and you are Senior Research Leader for Future Transportation at the Swedish National Road and Transport Research Institute. In short, VTI. How is it called in Swedish? Svenska väg- och transportforskningsinstitutet, VTI. So it's long in Swedish as well. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds very, very nice. Um, and uh, just a word about uh, VTI and so, so that the audience can relate a bit uh, to the link with the show project, which is hosting this, uh, this podcast. So VTI is in the management team of the project, where your colleague Anna Anand, whom I would love to interview one day, is our ethics manager, and she's also leading the work on evaluation and impact assessment of the demonstration happening in the project. And I will come back to this, I guess, in another episode, or maybe later we, can, uh, we will come back anyway to the, to the project. But coming back to you, you are also vice president of ECTREE, which is a European Research Association for Sustainable and Multimodal Mobility. And you are leading a cluster with the newly created European Association on Automated Mobility, dealing with societal aspects and user needs, where we actually met. So that sounds to me like a lot of responsibilities. So my first question is, how do you manage your time between all these activities and how come you still find time to make this interview with me today? Well, making such an uh, interview is a priority, so that uh, that you just have to fit in, I think. Uh, otherwise, uh, there are two keys to to be able to handle a lot of things, I think. One is uh, that you work with great people, which I do in all three assignments that you mentioned. And uh, the other is that you have, uh, that, that you have a good uh, boss, basically, that you have good people... Uh, that understand that things do take time and I'm fortunate enough to have both of those. Mm -hmm. Great. And um, so can you tell us a bit more about uh, what do you do? And a way I like to ask the question is how do you tell your family and friends about your work? So to maybe people not working in transportation and so on. What do you do concretely? Well, Uh, I've talked to a lot of people uh, and what do we talk about? Well, we talk about uh, mobility, uh, transport questions, how you move uh, or how how it would be good if we, you, I, the people in general, move between different points and what possibilities there are. And uh, all this talk is then uh, hopefully resulting in some ideas, some plans that may need more investigation so that you can get closer to realizing them. So that is that is sort of a typical project, I would say, that you try to 
develop uh, an idea and then finally put it on the road uh, literally to like for example a shuttle bus if you start to think that it would be nice to see if if a shuttle bu- bus uh, in a certain area makes sense because people may appreciate that uh, then you have to plan a lot so you talk to a lot of people and you have an idea you have to create a common vision maybe and uh, then then you can go ahead and figure out if you have money how do you get money to to acquire a bus and how can it operate and you sort that out and one day maybe months a year later you have the bus on the road and then you can investigate is it good is it do, is it serving the purpose that you had in mind so that type that is i would say sort of a research um, idea taking an idea into something concrete and then measure the effects so that is one thing the other thing that i do a lot is to think far ahead uh, have ideas and try to um, make strategies so that take you one step at a time towards a certain target mm-hmm. so it's, uh, this, this last part for me it sounds like a And something that I would like to address uh, in the in the second part of our uh, talk today, like having a bit this vision towards uh, the future mobility and what we would like. So let's let's keep this aside for now, because I still would like to know more about you. And uh, maybe uh, can you tell us about your your background and how you came to this uh, to this all these responsibilities that you are doing. And also um, explaining us um, what what is your motivation? What was your motivation uh, on the path? Uh, to this point and also what what is your motivation and what do you like about uh, about all these responsibilities <laughs> yeah um you have to remind me if i forget <laughs> any of the I things will. but um yeah i'm an engineer um i'm not a typical engineer i kind of like to figure things out but that's it i'm not very technical so to my great surprise i ended up in volvo cars when i was ready with school Um, and uh, that was more because I realized they deal with crash safety, which I thought was really nice, very cool to de- uh, to do crash safety tests. Quite impressive, somehow quite uh, impactful. Yeah, yes, okay. really, <laughs> very impactful, and it makes an impression. And uh, so I worked uh, many years on road safety, trying to make Volvo cars the safest in the world, and uh, working a lot with biomechanics. And I loved that very much. Um, so I stayed with Volvo cars for over 20 years and then I worked with the other Volvo that makes uh, trucks and buses and things, uh, more on strategies. Um, after that I've uh, worked um, in the uh, European Commission with automated uh, vehicles. I worked with the... Uh, okay, we are touching already yeah, the topic. <laughs> uh, with Academia uh, in the border uh, on the border between uh, automation and safety. Um, and uh, now since three years already, I'm with the VTI. But my motivation is really to to uh, y- to see how we can make um, life better for people. Uh, uh, and the, the uh, slice of, of life that I've chosen to, to look into is the, how we move about uh, our transportation and mobility and see if we can make it safer, if we can make it more useful, more affordable, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me it's really like, 
I feel like we are on the same line with a lot of uh, a lot of topics. So we we met in this uh, what I mentioned before this cluster on um, on social aspects and uh, and user needs from the from this uh, association uh, founded by the uh, European Commission. And there, I remember meeting you and having really this impression that you definitely want to look beyond vehicles. So that's something also by UITP is very important for us. Mm -hmm. So we see the automated vehicle in a system and uh, really not uh, something to be looked at uh, in isolation. So for this already, I found like a, a match, I would say. And after you had really this, this uh, questioning about why are we doing this? Is it really like uh, bringing something to the people? And is it really uh, making uh, life better? So for this, I would say we are, we are, I feel very much aligned. And I think that this cluster that you are leading has a lot of sense and can really make a great influence to be sure that we don't use the technology for the sake of technology, mm -hmm. just, okay, let's progress, like make more progress, more technology, more growth, and all this doing, but really uh, questioning the, the benefit for, for society. Yeah, I've, I'm so glad to hear that, and I think that is also my impression of uh, of what uh, you and UITP do in the show project and want to achieve with that. So I'm fully aligned with you there. Okay, let's. Uh, I think it's a good moment to jump, and you mentioned the show project, so that's perfect. It's a good moment to 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 jump a bit more in the in the in the topic, <laughs> in the hot topic of uh, automated mobility. Um, so in the in the project uh, in the show project we address uh, multiple aspects of uh, of uh, automated mobility there is big uh, part big um, effort put on uh, technology development for example regarding the development of physical digital infrastructure the automated vehicle functions but we also develop uh, business cases so it's not only technology but also uh, related to business businesses and and, and services all along, uh, we have um, a user engagement strategy, which uh, I think it's uh, it's aligned with what we what we just say and your vision, because we want to make sure that um, that future potential users, so the, the citizen, um, can be involved from the beginning of the project. So in the project, we do ideathon, we do surveys, focus group, etc. And um, from all this, from from this user engagement strategy, uh, what seems uh, the most important for you or what would be uh, if you would recommend something to the researcher in the project uh, what would you say uh, we, we should put our focus on and uh, so yeah really and maybe you can tell the audience also how do you imagine this user engagement to be also like in the project of course in projects in general but also in general creating a link with maybe uh, policy making or what's the development technological development so how do we create this link Mm. It's a very important um, uh, aspect, I think. And uh, um, if you if you think about uh, users, I, I think it's very good, as you have said several times, to say citizens or people or even you and me. Uh, it's not a consumer that has to accept something or tolerate something that we are going to convince. It is actually... Uh, everyone <laughs> out there because uh, there are so many expectations on automated mobility. It shall bring a better environment, uh, it shall be safer, it shall be less congestion and more jobs and all that. But that will not happen unless there are uh, you and I and everyone else really think this is great and that this is the given alternative or choice for us. So therefore I think it, 
we have to really and that is why it is good that the industry works but also other people than the industry work to develop uh, uh, the, the mobility solutions, not only the vehicles. Because uh, you have to ask the people that you don't normally ask. You have to figure out what needs do you have in general. So what do, we mean, what do you mean when we say the people you don't usually ask? Well, uh, in Sweden there is a study um, that uh, is in, in a place that you don't have a lot of public transport going there it's a lot of uh, uh, people who may not have empl employment that come from various uh, um, countries that have fled to sweden um and uh, so it's a suburb um underserviced we say by by public transport and definitely not asked if you think about a typical shuttle project that goes in a tech park area or in a high-tech city center or something like that. The, the, these people go to the shop because they want to meet people, they want to do things on the way to the, to the shop. They don't even understand why they would need something that helps them transport themselves there. And nobody normally asks them in a survey. They may not be on internet, so you miss them in these uh, surveys that rely on people spontaneously uh, answering on internet. And uh, I think that is uh, that is one type of uh, persons that you don't normally ask. Or and how do how do you uh, catch them, so to say? How, how do you? Yeah, luckily enough, there was some uh, another institute that was in charge of this study, and um, I don't know exactly how they caught them, but they they actually moved there more or less. They spent time there. They they hang hang around for several weeks trying to talk to people just like that not uh, with a questionnaire and uh, please fill in and uh, grade things one to five but really to talk to them and understand their daily life maybe also following them a bit so I think that that is one way to do it I, I could also mention I don't know if that is of interest but uh, long ago we worked uh, my husband and I in Ford in the US And uh, we had uh, one thing that was called Customer Connect, uh, where you, uh, 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 if you worked in Ford, you could uh, sign up and you could for one day meet a customer. And this customer, in my case, was a guy who had one of these pickup trucks, mm -hmm. a huge pickup truck. So he came with his truck in the morning, we had coffee, we explained the idea of Ford, and then Uh, we went on a ride, he drove and I sat in his car and I could look at everything, you know. He knew that I would look at everything. So I looked what he had in his glove box, what he had. In, uh, he had a lot of stuff and, you know, to, to really understand a person and why they had this type of huge vehicle for himself mm -hmm. just driving. It Did was, you find out? <laughs> yeah, well, he was a hunter, it turned okay. out. So that was a good <laughs> explanation for that. And he had like five dogs and things. Wow. But, but you really, by spending time with people, you obviously get to know them much better. And it may be that the what you what are your needs may not at all be related to mobility. But it may also be that some of them really are have a mobility or some transport uh, transport uh, uh, portion and in that case for if you work with automation you could think what what 
how could something that is an automated mobility solution, how could it help this person? Instead of just developing a solution, hoping for the best and, and tell them, please like our new technology. Yeah, it's uh, it's really uh, uh, ringing a bell uh, for me because I, um, as I worked in uh, in Singapore, and we we were doing what we called shadowing. <laughs> so it sounds a bit mm -hmm. scary, actually, but like uh, from the methodologies, really to to observe more than asking, and I really like this approach. So not, I think the way when you are asked, there is always kind of a bias mm -hmm. involved and so on. And this uh, shadowing, so we followed people on public transport when I'm saying this like, like this. <laughs> it's a bit it's like a stalker or something. But uh, so we followed really from, yeah, from the bus station and look if people have uh, bags, if people have uh, children with them and how do they, yeah, exactly mm -hmm. as you said, how do they behave with uh, interaction with the bus, with the bus driver, do they greet him, uh, all this stuff. So and, uh, I think that's a great way to 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 see more on the reality and be less in kind of, um, yeah. yeah, Less I, theoretical. I, yes, exactly. I, I see always a limitation with the service starting with the questions yeah. you ask that at the end you, you want to find something out and you, are, you, you put some bias in it when you ask a question. So observation, I think it's a... I have to ask you though about Singapore. Did you find anything unusual in your shadowing? Um... And anything that was surprising? <laughs> mm, so in, for, for the study we did, I would not say there was like um, something very um, different that we would expect from other, other cities in the world. Uh, people just want to go from A to B with the bus. But what, we, uh, what, what came out uh, was kind of uh, profiles. So we had different, uh, what we called at that time, personas. And uh, one uh, um, PhD student of, of my team, she she drafted these personas, which I think were were very nicely representing uh, some archetypes of the population. And it was really made thanks to this shadowing, meaning noticing that you have some person uh, that prefer uh, not to have any transfer, but to sit in a bus longer to do, because, for example, they did some groceries and they don't want to um, to carry the bags from a bus to the to the subway and so on, to the MRT, it's called in, in Singapore. Or you have the typical commuter or you, you have the elderly, which has very specific needs in terms of accessibility to the bus. For example, there is in Singapore, I, I guess it exists in, uh, it's, it's a case in many cities, when, the, when someone is in a wheelchair at the bus station, the, um, the bus driver has to step out, open the platform, like mechanically, let the wheelchair in and do all uh, the, the person in the wheelchair in and do all the process again when the person exit um, exit the bus. So things like that for us it was important to notice because if we think about uh, designing a new mobility system, we have to consider exactly all the specific use cases um, use cases uh, of um, of access, accessing the vehicle or having a, a bit of place in the vehicle. And so on. So I would say that was our main finding of the study, and it was interesting enough to to really build um, what what we design, uh, considering uh, some of these needs. Oh, great. Uh, staying in this area of different approaches to engage the users and so on, 
What would be your uh, advice for researchers, for developers now uh, that are maybe um, writing uh, proposals for projects, uh, developing new mobility solutions? What would you advise them? And really, I'm thinking of your roles, the roles that you have uh, in the, as a leader of the cluster on uh, societal aspects and user needs. What would you say? What is there something you want to, to maybe to shake a bit people and say, hey, don't forget about this? Or what would you concretely advise them? Yeah, uh, first I have to make a disclaimer in that case, and that is that I will not evaluate any proposals. So it's the evaluator, and they will strictly go on the text that uh, any proposal is, uh, you know, what they require. And it's not always that that text, despite many efforts from our side, reflects exactly what we meant. Mm -hmm. But what the intention is uh, when we talk about users and to capture user needs, it is really to to try to not impose or assume too much any needs that we know needs and not to assume Uh, that everyone wants to do something in particular, but to to see what is the everyday situation, where can mobility play a role, and what how do how do you understand this, uh, how do you capture this, and how do you uh, translate? What is there a methodology or some way that you can f translate this into something that? helps designers, developers to uh, to design um, a solution that takes us in the right direction. Let me give you an example. Uh, this is from my road safety history. Uh, when, when I started working, we realized that in very low velocity rear end crashes, lots of people had uh, whiplash injuries. Whiplash is an injury that is just uh, graded one in terms of threat to life risk so you will not die from it six you die but this was one so it's the lowest scale you can have of a injury uh, of, an, of an injury basically but people can suffer a lot for a very long time because there are long-term effects in the neck so this is a neck injury Uh, typically occurring in 10 kilometers an hour when somebody bangs into your car And there was no way of diagno diagnosing this properly. People said, I, oh, it's, I have pain in the neck. And then you couldn't measure it. There was no way to look, uh, no crash test dummy that could register this. And you had no clue how to address it. So when I was in Volvo, we tried to see, can we, is there any way we can learn anything about this? So we developed some kind of step, very, very step-by-step -step approach. We took in cars that people had had and crashed in. And uh, we said, can you please put the seat and uh, yourself in the position you think you had when you were driving? And then we tried to measure lots of things and figure out, is there some common denominator between those who say they have neck pain and those who have been in crashes and don't have that? And we found that uh, the height of uh, the headrest uh, had some importance, and that was it. And then we, step by step, we tried to define more and more parameters, uh, and uh, we tried also to speak with doctors to figure out is there can you is there any way you can diagnose this? It took forever, but finally, I think now they can. And then. Uh, 
years later, we tried to develop a crash test dummy, and there is today a crash test dummy, but this took like five, ten years. But the point is that even if we didn't know exactly, the, we had not the full picture, we tried to define small, small steps of things we knew, that we knew that if we do this, we at least don't make things worse. We go in the right direction. And I think that is also, we have to be humble that we don't know every need, everything. But if, if there is some way we can capture some needs uh, for some groups and then make sure that we at least address that and take it one step further. I think that is that is one way to think about this. And also I think... Um, now I'm <laughs> switching gears completely, but also not to focus only on vehicles. A mobility solution is much more. Uh, if you are so old, so you don't even know what a mobile phone is, you know, the whole concept of a cell phone that you don't get it. There is no way you can buy a ticket in Gothenburg's public transport. You have no clue when the bus is coming. So you have to think about the information system around a bus operation, for example, in addition to to making the vehicle accessible, as you said, with a wheelchair there. Uh, or And you also have to, to think where do things operate. So I think, you know, the needs, you have to think about many dimensions and not just the, the physical uh, needs or the vehicle-related needs. So... Uh, in summary, um, think how how you can advance your even if there is a limited knowledge. How can you at least take it one step in the right direction with the knowledge that is out there? And how can you learn more? And the other is to not just focus on the vehicle, but also think about the information system, routing, scheduling, operations. Mm -hmm. So have a, a bit of a bigger picture yeah. uh, perspective. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very, very good advice because even if people do not develop vehicles at all, but even a technology, I think it should be put in a, always in a bigger, in a yes. larger context. And um, I'm thinking also, for example, and for UITP, I think that's also kind of a vision that we have that we look at also the entire city and how like topics like urban planning as, are also playing a role and how, um, for example, mob like if we change our mobility habits, or not only the habits, but like uh, if the services are different and it influences uh, our uh, our habits, the city will be um, also impacted. And for example, that's something that we mention um, often because I also want to come back to the topic of automated vehicles. Um, we have a hope by UATP if the AVs are used for shared mobility, meaning integrated to the public transport system, that we can reduce the number of cars or individual cars around. And so we will have less um, cars parked all around, less congestion and so on. So I, I, I want to come back to what you said. So it's not from the starting point, it's more like an effect, um, but it's impact really the entire, so it's a big picture mm. of the city and not only the the things that at the beginning maybe was, was targeted, actually it has a, a bigger impact, a more holistic impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the to think in a systems thinking, we say, you know, that you really try to think in the bigger picture, as you say, what what components are there, who is involved, what, uh, what other areas are affected. I think that is extremely critical when it comes to mobility. 
yeah, so many uh, so many parameters, and yeah, I notice also we need to uh, um, involve. Um, so we are both engineers, but we notice both of us that it's important to talk with other disciplines. Indeed, and uh, having a psychologist, having ergonomic uh, specialists. Um, yeah, it's important for 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 having this big picture. So speaking of, um, I mentioned the, the city uh, as, a, as, a, as a whole. Um, can you sketch for me um, the future of mobility as you imagine it in this ideal city, let's say? And uh, the big question for, for, for really uh, matching with the podcast, will automated um, vehicles play a role in this vision about the city that you may have? If, if I think about vision and I think what what would I like, I would like some something to go when I want, where I want, uh, and that, that I can bring the stuff that I want. Uh, and uh, I think that is probably not so different from any anybody else. And uh, the vision I have for cities is that there is a lot of choice. I'm personally not necessarily thinking of it as a car-free city. I always think that if a car doesn't pollute, doesn't make noise, doesn't run into anything or anybody, doesn't take up any space, I don't really see what the problem is. I think they could be there and I think they have a role to play and besides it is a lot of jobs and business associated with cars that I don't know how we could compensate for otherwise. Um, so uh, I think cars could be there uh, and have to interact with everything else. And um, uh, uh, yeah, I, do, I don't have this vision of uh, everyone sitting in a cafe and drinking coffee and the green areas <laughs> because I don't know how you would get the money to have all that coffee. <laughs> and uh, that is also those that live in the suburbs. What, is, what are they supposed to do? So I don't have a clear vision about this, but uh, I, I like I like the way you see it. Very <laughs> pragmatic, yeah, <laughs> pragmatical vision. Yeah, of course we need to go. You mean we need to go to the office? We need to uh, maybe, to our, or uh, yeah, yeah. or we kind of changed changed our minds with the pandemic. I don't know exactly, but uh, I think we we would still want to meet other people. We would still want to to do. Uh, leisure activities we probably still want to shop um, and in some form but um, exactly how we move between all these uh, uh, these activities I think we, we should have a lot of choice so we can choose I come from a city where it rains a lot I think it's completely utopian to think that we all should bike all the time mm -hmm. because somebody has to change the weather to make it happen <laughs> It's also quite cold, I can imagine. No, not so Winter. bad. Okay. It's like uh, <laughs> Brussels or someplace, okay. but uh, it's not so bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, there is a tr threshold to go out uh, and not sit in a cozy car if you uh, if you have very terrible rain and yes, uh, yes. and wind. Yeah, totally. And um, so, what about the automated vehicles? Where where are they? <laughs> yeah. Um, when, like five, ten years ago, uh, the technology was ready, we heard. 
you know, it was just about uh, fixing the system and the infrastructure because they, it was ready. There was a vision that, uh, I think there was a vision that we all should uh, drive in uh, very highly automated cars that could go everywhere uh, by themselves and you wouldn't have to drive anymore. We know we aren't even close to getting there yet. And the more we research, the more we try out, the more we understand how complex it is. So I think we are in the beginning. The, uh, everyone is realizing that it is much more tough than we thought. Mm -hmm. Much It has to be put in a system. Um, we have to have people involved. I think that, that is also clearer now than uh, maybe five years ago that it is not just technology, develop the technology, it will be so great so everyone will just embrace it. We have to understand how we involve not only the drivers but everyone else who's supposed to live with the, these vehicles around and to choose them and to find them attractive enough so that uh, you actually use them. So I think we are maybe not even midways mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, I would say we are in some kind of transition, but I wouldn't say we are in the transition because I don't know what we are transitioning to. Uh, it's not so clear. So you, you see it more as an exploration phase? We still. are still in exploration. I think we're in an elevated, uh, more informed type of exploration. We know more what we don't know and we are more humble, I think, mm -hmm. uh, about uh, what, uh, what needs to be still investigated so we in order to make this uh, big thing that uh, embraces all of society. And is there something in the, in the, I don't know, the services that can be provided or maybe the technology or maybe... Um, is, what do you like about automated mobility? Or So what, what is your interest in this? I think if you think about a mobile phone... Um, you can do a lot um, with that and there are some basic functions and then you can add add a lot of things that are more tailored to your ideas of what you should use it for and your needs and you can skip things that you don't find are necessary. Not entirely yet, but you can tailor it a quite a lot to your needs. Of course, this assumes that you can master a mobile phone, which mm -hmm. not everyone can. But if, if you think about um, th that, I, I see as a uh, interesting thing that if you that with automation and the technology, it should be possible to tailor things more to individuals' needs. So you don't have to just buy off the shelf what happens to be there, but you probably can find things that are more serving your needs so there would be a more variety and I'm, I'm also now I'm not necessarily thinking about cars and that you have a certain color of your steering wheel or a display that has says talks to you in some way or something but also if you think about people who uh, citizens that live uh, in rural areas that you could have services that suit such a living that supports such a living having said that i realize this requires a business case and somebody has to provide this service and make money out of it 
Uh, yes, and from an infrastructure perspective, also in the rural yeah. area, it's it's challenging. But I think this is this is what I hope for that uh, automated mobility can grow into something that uh, that helps everyone in their daily life, so it gets better. Mm-hmm. And I think the potential is there, but we have a long way to go to yeah. work it into society <laughs> and to develop all the systems around so that really everyone can benefit from this. Okay, we are reaching slowly to the to the end of this uh, episode. Uh, do you want to add something? Is there something we uh, if, is there anything we forgot to add? I think we have talked a lot about uh, citizens, which is good um, <laughs> that we have to do and. Uh, Um, if if we only think, if we think about uh, that, it's you, it's me, it's our friends, our parents, our kids, um, that are are those who shall use things, uh, automation, automated vehicles in the future, and also as soon as possible. I think that helps a lot to to put it in a larger system con- context, and uh, that is really the big thing I wish for that we take a large enough scope when we look at how to develop uh, mobility in the future and also think about that it it has to be good it has to be what you want to use otherwise we we cannot uh, hope for any of the effects that we are hoping for Mm -hmm. great uh, final words thank you very much Ingrid for being uh, with us today and thank you for, for all the discussion And um, I, we keep in touch anyway. Yeah, thank you. It's, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Automating Mobility, the people behind the wheel. This podcast would not have been possible without the support from the Horizon 2020 program by the European Commission under the grant agreement number 875530. Check out the links for the show project and other references in the description of the episode and subscribe to our newsletter to stay tuned. Don't hesitate to share this episode or give us feedback to it. My name is Henriette Cornet from UITP and I hope to see you at our next episode.